0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts
1: now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning, the first day of November, it is 7.02 on your Tucson morning, and you're listening live here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, or via the live stream uh, on ESPNTucson.com, as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, and we thank you for joining us here bright and early on this Monday, November morning. And I hope you all had a, had a wonderfully fun and safe Halloween over the weekend, saw lots of fun pictures on the socials and obviously it was uh, it, it was a fun weekend because halloween being on a sunday so therefore you know saturdays were kind of saturday was kind of open for everybody there wasn't trick-or-treating on saturday night so the adults could go do their fun um, and then you know take the kids out on sunday for some trick-or-treating saw some a lot of cool costumes walking around the uh, the neighborhood last night kids having a good time of course Getting that pile of candy. I was. It's you know. I, I mentioned this. I, I think I mentioned it on Friday. Halloween was always kind of, kind of rough for me, just like you know, personally, emotionally, whatever, because, I, I because of my allergy, I'm allergic to cocoa. I can't eat chocolate, and so I would go trick or treating. I'd fill my pillowcase or whatever full of candy, and I'd come home and watch my family just rifle through all my candy and take, take everything. Like, oh, yeah, we get all this. Jeff can't eat this. Ha, ha, ha. I'm stuck with candy corn and pixie sticks and the popcorn balls. We did have a, a person, in our lady in our neighborhood that, that made the popcorn balls, and I'd always go back for a couple more of those. Always so thankful for those. But but I uh, hope you all had a wonderful Halloween. And now we move on. Get ready for uh, Thanksgiving, folks. I, I got to be honest. Like, listen, I like Christmas as much as the next person, but if you're – like getting excited to go out there and hang Christmas lights today, damn it, damn you! <laughs> don't do it, okay? Don't do it. Just hold on. Why are we in such a hurry to get Christmas? Like are people just like we want to get out of the way? I don't know what the like what the mentality is there. Just settle down, enjoy, enjoy November. I mean, Thanksgiving is an amazing holiday. It's a holiday surrounded around food and football. Like what what better holiday could there be? Enjoy it. Let's gear up for Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorites, that's for sure. All right, we got a lot of stuff to do today. I mean I mean a lot. We Not only do we have a ton of things to talk about, of course, with the Wildcat game on Saturday night in Los Angeles, a full slate of games in college on Saturday, some really, really good football games that were played out on Saturday. Not so many in the Pac-12, but across the rest of the country, teams are playing good football, and that's nice to see. Then we have plenty of reactions and analysis and the scores from the games on Sunday, yesterday in the NFL. Some real disappointments yesterday. Uh, this weekend was just a major disappointment, as far as I'm concerned, for my picks, at least. That was uh, that was real bad. We had the World Series, of course, going on, three games over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, as that uh, series shifts back to Houston now for the final two games of the series. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, yeah Houston it goes back to Houston for the uh, for the final two games of the series so I, I couldn't remember which 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 who which team had the uh, the home field uh, and then of course you know plenty of, of of other things to get into as well but we also have tickets to give away like lots of tickets to give away today I have my tickets your chance to register to win my tickets for this Saturday's homecoming game against Cal now the game is at noon at Arizona Stadium you're going to have a chance to text to win each hour today. Now, texting to win is awesome because you can just throw your you know throw your name in the hat, and you can do it twice a day, and you can do it four days a week. So you're going to get up to eight entries if you're listening because you just have a small window when I announce when the text to win is uh, to get your name in there. And we give away two sets of tickets, so we have two winners on Friday for those tickets coming up to the uh, to the game on Saturday. Again, that's the homecoming game versus Cal. That game tip, uh, kicks off at noon. I also have tickets to go see women's basketball. Adia Barnes and the ladies uh, for the women's Wildcat, Wildcat women's basketball team, they're going to be playing on Friday night at the McHale Center, or Friday afternoon, actually, I think it is. I think that's an afternoon game. Uh, I have tickets for those to give away all week. So we're going to give away a pair of tickets every single day to go see your Wildcat Women's basketball team in action this Friday. So be ready for that. That will be a call to win. So we have text to win my tickets twice today and a call to win women's basketball tickets later on in the show as well. Stay tuned. You are not going to want to miss that. We could call for it at any point in time. Be ready. All right. Let's begin though because there's a lot to talk about with the 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 game that occurred in Los Angeles on on Saturday night. The Wildcats, of course, they lose. to the Trojans and dropped to 0-8 on the season, 0-5 in the conference, and they have lost now their 20th game in a row. Certainly things could not be worse. Here's the thing. Uh, I think the general general feeling around the program, not just from the players and the coaches within the program, but the people in the athletic department that I work with, uh, you know, on a daily basis, weekly basis, whatever have you, as well as the media and the fan engagement around the team, I, I, I just, I, I kind of feel like everybody's starting to unite. All, like, finally, finally, the the, the, the you know everybody's kind of starting to get on the same page here. Like, you know, there was a lot of optimism from the fans in the off season based on certain things that were out there. And Jed Fish won Twitter. He won the social game in the you know in the off season in the preseason. We all appreciated that. Had something to talk about with Wildcat football. There was all kinds of fun activities going on. Fan engagement, trying to change the culture, trying to trying to engage the fans. A uh, you know a, a a fan base that was largely apathetic over the last several years, and uh, reengaged them with the team. Now, obviously, when you don't win, a lot of those you know a lot of that hard work kind of falls to the wayside as fans begin to doubt your ability and all this other stuff. And we were talking about last week, fans were already starting to call for Jed Fish's job, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, So in the game on Saturday night, it it didn't look good. It was 35-14 at halftime. USC was absolutely dominating the game. They had 27, I think it was 27 first, 26 or 27 first downs, if I remember correctly, at halftime. Normally that's a number saved for the end of the game. Not for halftime. They were absolutely just running roughshod all over Arizona's defense. Arizona's defense looked – they were just getting completely gashed. Now, part of the problem was is they were without Gunnar Maldonado, one of their starting safeties because of injury, and then they lose Jackson Turner, who's played extremely well. And, and you know Jackson is one of the guys who, in my opinion, has shown exponential growth throughout this season as a former walk-on who is getting starting time in this program on defense and a defense that has played quite well up until Saturday night against USC. They lose him, you know, essentially in the in the first three minutes, three, four minutes of the game because of, of a stupid, and I mean just a horribly officiated targeting call. And again, hate the rule. Everyone hates the rule, and I mean everyone hates the rule. If, if college football we're improving on their on the, the you know the, the the penalties the targeting penalties like if if we saw a large decrease in the amount of targeting penalties that are occurring because of the player ejections then that would be one thing and i don't have the numbers in front of me but i watch a lot of college football folks i mean i watch a lot of it it doesn't seem to me that there has been a drastic reduction over the last 3 years since they started ejecting players or 4 years i think about maybe it was since they started ejecting players for a first offense targeting call. It just hasn't – the numbers just haven't dropped that drastically because things happen at a very, very fast pace, and you're dealing with young men. A lot of them are 19, 18 years old in some senses, uh, in some cases, and they just – they're they're playing on pure emotion, and they're not thinking about these things. The The best way to, to teach, you know, these young men something – is not to take away their playing time. It's to say, look, you just cost our team 15 yards, and now you have a final warning. If you do it again, you're going to get kicked out of the game. Okay? That, to me, is going to be the motivation enough for that player to not do that because you, you, you don't want to get kicked out of the game. So you're going to concentrate on you know, on not allowing that to happen. I just think that the, the mind frame – for that that particular situation, if you're put in that in that situation, is a lot different than if you're just starting the game already with your final warning without really being aware of it. I guess, um, for lack of a better term, I, I just I hate the rule. jetfish Fish hates the rule. Everybody hates the rule. Um, it, NCAA needs to do something about it. There needs to be a uh, a warning system put into play. Yes, look, 15 yard penalties absolutely absolutely need to be need to be put in place. But just like the, the you know, the uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties in the uh, game of college football, if you get two of those, you're tossed. It should be the same way for targeting. I, I just, I do not, I, I, you will never get me to agree that kicking a player out of a game for a, for a targeting call, and yes, some of them have been very malicious, okay? The, the, look, there have been times where I've been watching college football, and I'm like, that's targeting, that's malicious, that was done on purpose. Um. Okay, they're going to have to throw those out, like because you, you, you can't you can't adjudicate which ones are you know intentional, which ones aren't. So those are going to have to be put into the same you know se- section as the you know the inconclusive ones that are maybe you know could have been stopped, maybe not. But to say that it's the same as swinging a punch at somebody, it, it's just it's just ridiculous. It, it's it's moronic. It needs to be taken out of the game, um, and I don't th- I don't think the ejections are helping one bit not not one bit at all to that player has to go then go to the locker room get dressed out uh and and come back to the sideline and why it's just it, it's it's stupid regardless <laughs> i digress um Arizona was a, they were playing with their two backup safeties essentially in the, in the rest of that game and it showed uh because Drake London was having himself himself one hell of a first half until he broke his ankle in the end zone i wish he would have maybe, you know, decided to get injured on a play before getting into the end zone. But nonetheless, uh, as he falls into the end zone, breaks his ankle, uh, Christian Rolla-Wallace is there, you know, making the tackle. It was just one of those things that happened. Obviously, there wasn't anything malicious involved there. Christian Rolla-Wallace is more than, you know, more than within his rights to try to get one last chance at knocking the ball out on a catch in in uh, in in the end zone or trying to knock a ball out of the goal line. So there wasn't any dirty play there, obviously. And, uh, you know, they lost their best player, essentially their best player for the remainder of that game. And he was torching the Wildcats in that game. They were moving him all over the field. He was catching deep balls. He was catching sideline routes. He was catching screens. They moved him everywhere. Um, and he is remarkable. And, and he was – look, he had an attitude about him in that game. He was looking to hurt people. Like, And I don't mean, fit, like, ultimately go out there and injure someone. He was – looking to run through Arizona secondary players, like corners and safeties. Like, he was challenging them. He was running them over. He was getting his pads down and crushing Arizona defenders. Like, he was a man on a mission. That dude is one hell of a football player. And, uh, I honestly, I don't like to see when star players like that get hurt or knocked out of games. You want to see them play, regardless if they're playing against your team or not. It certainly helped Arizona's cause because, you know, th- they had – I mean, I mean, look, USC was just destroying Arizona at the time. And when Drake London went out, everything changed. It was 28-7 at that point. Um, Arizona goes on the nice drive, right? They get the, the, the six-play, 75-yard drive. I believe that included the Tavian Cunningham uh, penalty where – not the penalty on Tavian Cunningham, but where he got his helmet ripped off. Now, here's the weird thing about that particular play. I remember a game that I was watching earlier this season – and a defensive player. It wasn't a wildcat game. It was it was another game. There was a defensive player who's had his helmet knocked off, and he continued to play. And he was flagged on the on the play for continuing to play without a helmet, basically putting himself in danger. He was flagged for that. So the whole time I'm watching this. This thing happened, and you know he get his helmet ripped off. And the first thing I said was, "The play's going to be whistled dead because he's without a helmet." Even though there was nobody within twenty yards of him, and nobody was going to catch Tavian Cunningham, nobody. Trust me, there was nobody in that field that was going to catch him. Even with there in five yards of him, there was nobody going to catch him. As soon as he beat the corner on that play, he was gone. There was no, and there was nobody there. So the whistling of the play being dead, I get it. It's it's players without a helmet. You can't have a guy running around in the field without a helmet. I, I just – he got it ripped off f- by a player who just grabbed his face mask and ripped his helmet off. So Arizona is now finding ways to keep themselves from the end zone by having other teams commit penalties against them. I just – you just – you look at the the whole – of a of a season, and you say, "Where did things go wrong?" Well, we had this happen in this game. We had this happen in this game. When we look back at the USC game, say, "Yeah, defense didn't show up in the first half. Drake London was killing them, um, and and the, the two quarterbacks, the two quarterback system they were using between Slovis and Dart, they couldn't miss. They had like, 300 yards passing in the first half. It was uh, it was unbelievable. Um, but when you look back and you say, "Yeah, Arizona actually uh, had a touchdown called back in that game." because they uh, they got a, a face mask penalty against the defense and they they stopped the play and it's just like what <laughs> how do we do how do we continue to do this um so look there was there's a lot of good things that we can take from Arizona's performance against USC it's a situation where once again the team was unable to put together 60 solid minutes of football i thought the first quarter look the first quarter was was okay you could tell that there was, um, there was a, a vast, uh, I guess, chasm between the athletic prowess of the two teams. Put it that way, you could just see the USC was bigger, faster. They were BFS. They're bigger, faster, stronger than Arizona was at every level. Um, their defensive line was able to get a pass rush with just four, you know, four down linemen, which means that they had seven guys in coverage, which. It, it, look, it's it's difficult to throw the football against a seven man coverage secondary when there's four guys in the on the defensive line that are in your face almost every time. Will Plummer played a hell of a football game. I it just I went back and I watched the game. I watched parts of it, and he just he, you know I know that Jed Fish used the word grit in the in his post game presser. That's the way that I described Will Plummer in the preseason when I was kind of saying these are the three quarterbacks that Arizona has. These are what each of these three guys do well. didn't know much about Jordan McLeod, only able to read scouting reports and things like that and and some things that I read based on articles from his time at South Florida. But we had seen Will Plummer, right? We had seen him before. We knew what he was about. He was a a largely, I think, ineff- I don't want to say ineffective Um inaccurate you know he's been known for his inaccuracies he's he's 18 years old yeah he was 18 years old when we saw him 18 19 he's a freshman and inaccuracy and throwing the football tends to get himself in trouble by trying to drive the ball downfield a little bit but he's one of the toughest grittiest guys you'll ever see at the position and i'm telling you what man saturday night that was evident and and when you put all that t- w- together with his decision making that he had on Saturday night, which I thought was absolutely spot on, you have yourself a a situation at quarterback where you have a young man who's learning to play the position and getting better each week. Jed Fish said that Will Plummer had his best day of practice on Wednesday of last week. That obviously translated to the game. I thought Will played. I thought Will played as well as he possibly could. When you watch if you go back and watch that game and you look at the odds against him in those particular situations, the fact that he was able to be as effective as he was uh, is just extremely impressive to me. He was able to get through his read progressions quickly, even though he was under fire. because he, Arizona gave up the most sacks they've given up all year, and it wasn't like SC was blitzing on every play. They blitzed a few times, but they were really able to be effective with just four down linemen, uh, and they would maybe bring – um, a fifth guy, like a linebacker or a corner, that's a dog. That's not a blitz. So, you know, dogs, and that still gives you six men in coverage, which is extremely difficult to throw against, especially when you're Arizona and you're having to play max pro a lot of the time because you're getting killed in the backfield. I just felt like like Will Plummer took a, a tremendous stride this week in his performance in that game on Saturday night against, look, it's not a good football team, the, the, the you know, USC, not a good football team. It's a it's a football team comprised of a lot of great individual athletes that are not playing together. They've you know essentially they they couldn't care less about their season. They're just trying to think about what they're going to do next, where they're going to be next year. That is a a group of players that that are not tugging the rope in the same direction as we like to say. But they are four and four. They're three and three in conference because they are extremely talented. Quarterback, they are ridiculously talented. Jackson Dart, that kid. I mean, I got to, you know, the first look at him when they beat Washington State earlier this year, and I was really impressed with how he played. Uh, and that kid just oozes talent. He's got great footwork. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's got moxie. It looks like he likes to go out there and lead the team. And it looks like they go out there and they play for him. So, um, you know, still some, some good things to say about USC. Obviously, a you know, a, a, a collection of really, really good football players there. Just in a bad situation this season where they've fired their coach, and there's a lot of question marks up in the air. We'll continue to talk Arizona Wildcat football because uh, there's a, there's some more things that I want to talk about from the game, specifically talking about Arizona's growth throughout, certain players that stood out on Saturday night, and uh, some other performances that I think are worth noting. But now is your chance to win Tickets, or at least register to win my tickets to Saturday's homecoming game against Cow. You're going to text the word "homecoming." Text the word "homecoming" to six eight six eight three. Do it right now. The word is homecoming six eight six eight three. Text it now. You've got a small window to get those uh, get those text message registrations in. Uh, message and data rates may apply. But this is your chance to uh, get your first chance, first registration into the contest for this week's tickets, my personal tickets to the game on Saturday against Cal. Again, the word is HOMECOMING. Text it to 68683. Do it now. This is your first chance to win those tickets. We do have uh, digital availability on those tickets. We will text them right to you on, uh, on Friday, get you in the game, and uh, get you ready to support your Wildcats. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, more Wildcat football talk next here on the Jeff Dean Show. The
0: Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. Talking Wildcat football here. And look, a lot of things to take away from this game that are positive. I I just... I, I refuse to, to sit here and say, I don't know, Wildcats, I had a chance to win the game. Look, there were they made plenty of mistakes in the game. 12 penalties, again, this time for 130 yards. That cost them dearly. Um, I I also, look, there's also a, a lot of people whom I respect professionally, personally, that were watching that football game that believe that it was one of the most poorly officiated games that they've ever seen and look these are people who I respect because they never play the officiating card um they you know they just don't allow themselves to do it there's there's other things that you can look at and at, in, in when when uh, an analyzing a game as to why a team won or lost uh there's other ways to go about looking at that other than officiating these three people uh that that I'm you know talking about here are guys who never, like, they never pull the officiating card, ever. And all three of them are like, it was horrible. And it was horrible. The announcers, as bad as they were, and the broadcast, as bad as it was on ESPN, even they were like, what is going on with this officiating crew tonight? And normally, Watershed and his crew do pretty well. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not one of the worst crews in the Pac-12 as far as I'm concerned. They had a really bad night. Really bad night. There was a bad spot on a crucial, a crucial third down play for USC where they basically spotted the football almost an entire yard ahead of where the ball carrier was obviously downed, which gave USC a first down, which then led to a touchdown. Uh, I believe it was two plays later. They, they, they went into the end zone instead of Punting, or at least giving Arizona a shot at a fourth and you know a fourth and one, um, they you know they were able to score a touchdown. There were other a lot of really bad calls in the game. Look, calls that Arizona were you know the advantages of as well. So um, it wasn't like it was just all anti Arizona. There were plenty of plays. I'm like, we should have been flagged for that. That we didn't get flagged for that. I'll I'll take it. But um, you know, should have been flagged. Looking at individual performances in the game, starting on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, Will Plummer, if if you look at his pro football focus grade, that has earned a 78.6 for the game from pro football focus. Considering the fact that he was in the 40s, like the high 30s, low 40s all season long for his performances in his other games, to jump to a 78.6 and a 75.6 in the passing game, tells you a lot about his growth in this particular game. He he played he played his tail off. And uh, again, he he's going to he's going to receive a ton of praise from me and I think he should re- receive a ton of praise from a lot of people including his coaches who already praised him for uh, for the game that he played on Saturday night. When you when you watch if you sit back and you watch the game, if you go back and watch it, if you want to go back and watch it. Imagine you, you, you cuz you know the outcome of the game now now you can sit and look at other things look at nuances uh certain situational plays you know uh, look for you know players doing the right things wrong things in certain situations when you look at what Will Plummer was was up against in that game the fact that the offensive line was once again just not good uh, not good the, the offensive line continues to be bad it's it's they're just they're horribly inconsistent some days they, they run block extremely well, and Arizona's able to run the football. They completely failed in the run blocking situations in that game against USC. Um, the run blocking was was bad. They were not good against the pass either in that game as four down linemen were able to get home several times. I think it was, what, five sacks in the game for USC. But when you look at some of the positive performances from Arizona, uh, again, Plummer was, was fantastic. And I... There was a play in the game. Dorian Singer got, I think he played 24 snaps um, in that game. 35. 35 snaps in the game for Dorian Singer. It's a lot. It's a lot of snaps for Dorian Singer. Walk-on. Very, very young player who Jetfish was praising after the game. He says, we're going to see a lot of Dorian Singer over the next four years. They're very excited to have him. They, They absolutely love him. There was that play. First and goal from the eight-yard line. It was a beautiful play design. It was executed to perfection until the point when Will Plummer released the football from his hands. He just he just missed it. It was just not a good throw. And these things are going to happen, okay, uh, with young players, young quarterbacks, and that would have been an easy touchdown for the Wildcats, and that changes things. Like that changed. That would have changed the game. That puts Arizona within three points at that point in the game. It was a beautiful play design, beautiful play call in that moment. Um, they had him ISO'd and he was by himself. And it was it was an easy corner, uh, run to the corner, pylon for the touchdown. Unfortunately, they couldn't connect on the pass. Um, there were just certain little situations that were missed like that in the game. But overall, I thought the offense played pretty well. Um, they're not able to run the football effectively, and... Uh, Would they have 127 yards total rushing? 32 of those from Anthony Pandy on a uh, on a fake punt, but um, I think just overall, you know, the offense, considering what they were up against, scoring 34 points. I mean, there was a there was the pick six, obviously, uh, but they scored you know 28 points on offense, which you know in a game on the road in the Coliseum, it's about all you can expect out of this particular team. Would have been nice to score a few more. I know Lucas Haversick missed a field goal in that game, would have changed the look of certain things, would have changed the strategies of certain uh, situations. But we are where we are right now, and Arizona continues just to fight like hell in another very, very close loss, another one-possession loss this season against a superior team. So it's coming. It's coming, folks. The wins are coming. I, I You can see them getting better and that's what we talked about this season. Like I'm not going to expect four wins out of the team, five wins, whatever the expectations that would be just way too high. My expectation for this team was to look better at the end of the season than they look at the beginning of the season. They are certainly trending in that situation. They have had, they have had a lot of hiccups along the way, injuries specifically um, that have derailed certain growth movements for this team throughout the season. But when the dust settles and I think it's all said and done, not only would I think, do I think Arizona's going to get at least one win this season out of, this, uh, out of their efforts, but you're definitely going to see improvement from day one to the final day of the season. And that's what's I think most important for fans to, to embrace and, and realize as we look at this season. Basketball fans, celebrate the NBA's 75th anniversary, anniversary season on FanDuel Sportsbook because right now new customers can place their first bet risk-free. And if you don't win, you'll get up to $1,000 back. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, it's the perfect time to give it a shot right now. There's a lot of different ways you can play NBA on FanDuel. It's a, there's a ton of fun ways to do it. You can play... Uh, player point totals and rebounds and assists. You can play the money line, obviously over under point spreads, etc. There's a lot of different ways to bet the NBA on FanDuel. And now that they're accepting Venmo, it makes it even easier to use. Uh, what previously was a really easy to use app, there's super super fast withdrawals. You get paid in less than two hours. I got paid on on a on a prop bet last night. In I mean, it was like it was literally two minutes. <laughs> I was like, oh, did I win that? Oh look, my money's already in there. I guess I did win that. So lots of uh, lots of cool stuff there and plenty of live betting. If you're enjoying a fast-paced uh, NBA game, you can jump right in the fast lane and start betting live right away. There's no better place to bet on the NBA than FanDuel. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today and sign up using my promo code DEAN so that way your first bet is risk-free up to $1,000 and make every moment more this NBA season. But use my promo code DEAN. So that they know that I sent you. Twenty one and over and present in President Arizona's first online real money wager only. Refund issued is non withdrawable. Site credit expires in fourteen days. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fandoil.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call one eight hundred next step or text next step to five three three four two. When we return, we'll talk about uh, the other things that occurred on Saturday, some reactions to some of the big games in college football, and of course, a whole bunch of stuff coming up from week eight in the NFL on Sunday. and Coming up at 8 o'clock, the Dean's List and the Dunce List. My picks for the heroes and zeros from the weekend it was. Still a whole lot more to come. Stay tuned right here on the Jeff Dean Show.
0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: All right, so looking at the rest of the games on Saturday that were played out, some some big games, man. Like that Michigan-Michigan State game was so good, so, so good. I mean, just a, a, a great football play. You know, like with the rivalry there, I know it's more of a rivalry for Sparty than it is for Michigan, but nonetheless, you get in that game and the fans are screaming at you and stuff, it becomes very intense real, real quick. Um you know, Michigan jumps out to a, to an early lead. They're dominating. Defense is really grinding it up. And then Jim Harbaugh, like, bro, what are you doing? I mean, you've got Cade McNamara who's playing the best game of his life. Uh, really, I mean, look, he he was he was really rolling in that game as you know at quarterback for Michigan. And then you start flirting around with the with the freshmen. You start bringing the freshman in, you're like, oh, I want to give him a different look here. Instead of just grinding it out and playing Michigan football the way that, that you grew up playing it when you know, when, when Harbaugh was a kid, obviously, and, and then obviously playing it at Michigan himself. But and then you start flirting around, fiddle-farting around with the freshman, and what does he do? He fumbles on back-to-back plays, gives Michigan State life. They score on both fumbles. And Kenneth Walker, we'll talk about him coming up uh, in about 20 minutes what a game he had holy smokes but that was a hell of a football game of course Michigan State wins that game 37-33 they remain perfect on the season they moved to eight no and uh, they are in the lead in the year tied for the lead I guess I should say in the east division of the Big Ten Michigan falls to uh, currently third in the division as they're seven and one now but still very much in the hunt for things and they've got the big game against Ohio State coming up uh, a little bit later on the year during rivalry week and we are absolutely going to be looking forward to that uh, the number one team in the country Georgia in the world's largest outdoor po- cocktail party game against Florida just absolutely decimated the Gators the gators didn't score until uh, the final drive of the game it was thirty four nothing they had was it two pick sixes in the game or is it just one I don't remember it, Georgia's defense scores so many points I can't remember exactly how many you know how just how how many they've actually scored their defense is it it's so incredibly good. I just I, I, I watched that game. I watched about twenty minutes of that game total. I think I, it, every time I watched them, they were on defense because their offense is not great. Um, and give Florida's defense credit too; they played they played okay. Um, but every time it just it's like you have to fight tooth and nail to get two yards against them. It it is remarkable just how good they are, and of course. That game, that matchup coming up. And uh, you know, I guess maybe don't count Alabama in that game yet as Auburn is able to take care of business on the plains against Ole Miss. That's one of my picks that I got wrong over the weekend. Um, I wasn't counting on Matt Corral being knocked out of the game in the second possession for uh, for Ole Miss. Things were obviously going well for them up until that point, and then they just they they couldn't move the ball. They were down two offensive linemen. They were down... A running back, two wide receivers, and then they got their quarterback knocked out. Their Heisman hopeful quarterback knocked out in the second series of that game, that, and that things went south real, real quick um, from there on out. Cincinnati gets the win. They struggle a little bit against Tulane um, early. As Tulane was was game for uh, for some home cooking, but uh, nonetheless, Cincinnati pulls away late, wins that game thirty-one twelve. But they took a hit because later on in the day, Houston was able to knock off previously unbeaten SMU. Now Cincinnati still has to play SMU coming up. It would have been nice, obviously, for Luke Fickle and the Bearcats to have played an unbeaten and ranked SMU team. SMU still may be ranked. It was a close game, and Houston's really, really good this year too. Um, But certainly that may hurt their chances to pad their SOS a little bit, and uh, so not good news for them. Ohio State. Struggled with Penn State in that game again. Another pick that I lost. I thought Ohio State was just going to roll Penn State. Penn State didn't show me much in the previous few weeks. They had just lost Illinois in seventeen overtimes or whatever it was, and, and I was just like, eh, they don't, have, they don't have a chance. They can't. They can't score. They're they're not going to do anything against Ohio State. And then I forgot that Ohio State can't tackle anybody, and that Penn State was able to rack up almost four hundred yards of offense and they were able to get after C.J. Stroud quite a bit too. So um, Penn State uh, was game for that one, losing that game 33-24, but Ohio State continues on their role ever since losing to, uh, to Oregon. They are, uh, they are a very good football team, and they're a team that's going to be considered for the CFP Final Four as the, the poll comes out tomorrow. We'll, of course, have that for you here when we talk about that. Um, and then an upset late in the night, as it was a game i was i had circled i had talked about it on my friday 5 because i felt it was going to be a very very difficult game for san diego state as they took on fresno state at home and san diego state loses their first game of the season they're now 7 and 1 losing 30 to 20 to the bulldogs late at night and fresno state was in control of that game from the get go they were up big it was 20 to nothing and san diego state had to play comeback at that point and they're just not set up to to play football like that. They're not set up to play comeback football. I think they're like 111th in the country in passing. They're a good run team, but at that point, at down 20 nothing, you got to start uh you got to start abandoning the run a little bit and uh moving on. So, look, you know, a whole slate of games and look in, in the Pac-12 and and we'll continue to talk some Pac-12 football and just how once again how Pac-12 this season is. When you look at the standings, you're just like what what what? Arizona State gets crushed at home to Washington State. They turned the ball over four times in the first half. Uh, just looked bad. Arizona State, so I was talking to some people in the program on Saturday, and it is very apparent that the NCAA investigation has taken hold of that program. It is it's an issue. They, it's something that everybody in the pro, inside the building is talking about, it's something that players are talking about. Coaches are gripping the you know the whole situation with the NCAA. Things are getting tight in Tempe right now, real tight. Pucker factor 11 right now in Tempe as the NCAA continues to interview coaches and former coaches and players and such for their investigation. Uh, things may go south before they get things turned around before the end of the season at Arizona State, which, you know, you love to see. Uh, Oregon continues their dominance, although they give up a ton of points to Colorado. And when I say a ton, I mean giving up 29 to Colorado is a ton. Cal upsets Oregon State, wins by two touchdowns, and suddenly Cal is playing their best football of the last three years, essentially, maybe even four years, since they've played this well. They've won three in a row. They dominate Oregon State 39-25. to Utah smokes UCLA as I thought they would. UCLA benched DTR for the game. They couldn't get any offense going. And then late in the night, Washington was able to score a gutsy touchdown against Stanford on the farm to win that game 20-13. to As uh, Washington scores in the final seconds of that game, they're lining up for a game-winning field goal. And instead, they let Dylan Morris throw the ball into the end zone, score the touchdown, win the game, and uh, that's it. So interesting weekend again in the Pac-12, and the standings are reflecting it. It is uh, It is a strange one out there, but nonetheless... We uh, we love our Pac-12, and we just continue to cheer them on as best we can and hope that they can find a way to get a team into the CFP if we're going to continue to win. All right, it's your chance to win now. A pair of tickets to go see Arizona women's basketball as they take on Arizona Chris- uh, Christian this Friday. That game is at uh, 630. That's what the uh, the game time is. Doors open at 5 p.m. at the McHale Center. But your chance right now. We're going to take caller number two. Caller number two at 520 uh 1490 Sorry. is the phone number. That is your chance to win a pair of tickets to go see Adia Barnes' team, the women's basketball team, this Friday at the McHale Center. That game again is at 630, taking on Arizona Christian. Call now. Caller number 2 at 520-719-1490. Your chance to win those tickets right now. We're going to take a timeout. When we return, we will continue our analysis of the weekend's action. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show.
0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: Congratulations to Ed Dannyfield. Ed Dannyfield was our winner for the women's basketball tickets today. I have a pair to give away tomorrow, a pair to give away Wednesday, and a pair to give away on Thursday. So, uh, yeah, is it four pairs? Do I have five? Do I have another pair to give away on Friday? We'll look into that. I'm not sure. We'll find out. But uh, congratulations to Ed Dannyfield. He was our winner of the tickets today. Be listening tomorrow for your chance to win another pair of tickets to go watch the women's basketball team take on Arizona Christian this Friday night at the McHale Center. Speaking of McHale Center tonight, Wildcat men's basketball in action. For the first time this season of the Tommy, uh, the Tommy Lloyd era begins. It's an exhibition game. I get it. It's it, but it's still going to be live bullets out there. There's going to be they're going to be playing against a team in an opposite colored jersey, and uh, I am super stoked. I'll be down there. Game starts at seven o'clock tonight. There's uh, plenty of walk up tickets available. You want to come watch some basketball on a Monday night instead of that horrible Monday night football game that's going to be on the air tonight? Come watch some Wildcat basketball. The Tommy Lloyd era begins. Kirk Creesa. Launching balls from the logo. LaJules Tabellus running the floor. Benedict Matherin. I have a – there was a poll that was posted on The Athletic this morning um, where uh, C.J. Moore and um, – I can't remember who the other writer that contributed on it. Anyway, they talked to 26 Pac-12 players currently currently playing in the, uh, the Pac-12, men's basketball players currently in the Pac-12, and they polled them on certain questions asking them, like, you know who's the best player, you know who would you like to play against, who's the toughest player to score on, what's the best you know where's the toughest place to play. Uh spoiler alert, McHale Center was the landslide winner uh in that one. They also said that uh uh that Arizona has the toughest fans to play against because well, we do. <laughs> Period, end of story. Uh, there's no other fan engagement in the Pac-12 quite like uh, a game in Tucson. And everybody in the world knows it. And it's a reason why Arizona has been so successful uh, since, the Ol- since the Lute Olsen era. I mean, really, let's let's call it like it is. For the last 30 years, Arizona has been largely effective at home because of the home crowd and how rabid the fans are, knowledgeable, excited, you know, all, all of the above, right? Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting, though. Um, the... Uh, uh, player, uh, there, there was two when they when they pulled the twenty six players, and I'll I'll have the the whole article. I'll I'll link it to my uh, uh, to my uh, Twitter account. But um, when the when the players were asked about who the best player in the conference is, Johnny Juzang got the most votes. I think he had six votes. Benedict Matherin got the second most votes with three. And Azulus Tabellus got a vote. Also, Arizona was one of only two teams with two players listed um, because Jaime Jaquez was also listed on the um, on the, the players' voted list. But look, there's obviously a lot of respect out there for Benedict Matherin and for Azulus Tabellus, and they're just two pieces of the puzzle that Arizona has this year with Tommy Lloyd. Um, it's going to be a very difficult puzzle for teams to solve, especially defensively against Arizona. And uh, I'm super excited to see the action tonight. Like I'm, I'm pumped, man. I'm, I'm crazy excited. I love college basketball, man. And I am I am stoked for what I'm going to see tonight at the McHale Center. So come on down, check out the game, root on the team, and uh, enjoy a little basketball tonight on a Monday night at the McHale Center. All right, coming up in hour number two, we'll talk about uh, week eight in the NFL Sunday. World Series gets uh, headed back to Houston. We'll talk about some of the uh, the best players from the weekend, of course, in the world of sports is my dean's list and my dunce list going to be coming up right at 8 o'clock, and still a whole lot more to come, including another chance to win my tickets to Saturday's game for the Wildcats and the Golden Bears at Arizona Stadium. But stay tuned right here again. It's just a quick little two-minute turnaround. We'll be right back with our number two right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
0: soul studio the soul of tucson this is espn tucson kffn tucson kwcx tank verde kmx hd4 tucson